0: So, you know, I, I kind of hate topical sermons. I, I really don't always like taking a week at a time to preach because I, I'm like Pastor Mark I like, and Pastor John. I like more expositional type sermons where you take a passage or you take a book. And I love the fact that we as a church take entire books at a time and just dig in and go through them. Um, so sometimes these weekly teachings can be uh, a little uncomfortable, but I guess that's one... Things that God likes to do is put you in uncomfortable situations. So, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 12 this morning. I'm going to be preaching primarily out of that. We're going to be in several different areas this morning. No, that's not a demonic sound. But I really want to talk to you this morning about the body of Christ. I want to talk to you about the church. This is something that God's laid on my heart for the past probably six, eight weeks. I just finished a book last night called Compelling Community by Mark Dever, and it is just absolutely an incredible book. It's kicked me in the tail. And something Pastor Mark said in his, his message to Titus, he had two words. He had two words called all in. Forget what he was even talking about, but it, just, it, was, it was like a little pinched nerve. you ever had a pinched nerve in your neck and your back and it just won't go away? It takes forever to heal. And even when you start to feel better, you move a certain way and it's just like there again. Like that's kind of way the way these words, it's just these two words have been just in my head and in my spirit. So this morning I really want to share with you specifically about the body of Christ. But before we get into Romans, I want to give you an overarching idea and a thought process on the on the words body of Christ. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20. In, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul, to give you a little context, Paul breaks down and compares the church to a body. And he talks about how uh, the body of Christ has many Just as a body has many members, you have hands, you have feet, you have body parts, you have appendix, you have eyes, you have ears, you have all these different things. And one piece of the body is not more important than the other, Right? They all have their own function. They have their own meaning. So that's what he's talking about. But this one verse in, in or a couple verses in First Corinthians chapter twelve, I want to highlight, verse twenty. He says, "But now there are many members, but one body. Many members, but how many body? One." First, uh, skipping down to verse twenty-six, it says, "If and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored." All the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body. How many bodies? One. Whose body? Christ. And individually members of it. So even though we are one, we are also individuals. If you read in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul again writes, He says, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor. For we are members of, what does it say? So we are members of Christ's body, but we are also members of one another. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I worship you. I thank you. Thank you for this word, God, and I pray that you get me out of the way, that you speak your word to your people today. Father, challenge our hearts, challenge our minds, make us more like you today in all we do and all we say, and help us reflect you more clearly through Your Word. Leave no area of our life untouched and protected from Your Word. May it pierce our hearts, our souls, and our minds to make us more like You and who You have designed and created us to be. We love You, we worship You, and we thank You, Lord God. In Your name we pray. Amen. There's two overarching principles that I want to approach Romans chapter 12 with today. And the first one is this. As a disciple of Christ, we are part of His body. understand, in reference to the church, and this is not just the CLF church. If you're uh, visiting with us today, know that I'm really speaking to believers. I'm going to be in referencing CLF as our body because that's who this local church is. But understand, the church as a whole is referencing all those who have surrendered their lives to Christ. Okay, So when we, me, you, and anybody else on planet earth, when we surrender to God, when we lay our sins at His feet, Admit our own guilt of those sins. When we receive His forgiveness provided through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, we have become part of God's body. Okay, We are the body of Christ. Many members, we all have different functions. We're all unique. He's created as individual. But we are all part of God's body, of Christ's body. And not only are we part of God's body in which Christ is the head, right? We're all members of that body, all part of Christ. But secondly, as disciples of Christ, we are part of each other, one another. We are members of one another. Literally, if one body is, you don't say my hand is a, it's a member of my body, right? Like that's what we say. It's not an individual body part. It is, but it's really part of what? It's part of my body, It's not separated from, it gets its life the same as every other member of the body. It is one with who I am as Brian Kraft, just as the same thing is for you. In the same way, when we receive Christ, when we accept His salvation, when we surrender our lives to Him, He does two things. He makes us part of His own body. The Bible said the body of Christ in which Christ is the head. But He also makes us... Members of one another. Now, many, probably most, and if not all of us in this room have been hurt by a church at one point or another. We've been burned. We've been talked about. Maybe our kids have been uh, given a hard time about. We've seen some ugliness in the church. I have not escaped that. If anybody knows our story, we came from a situation where we got basically had to, not have to, uh, we chose to resign from a very, very nasty situation that was just not godly and not God-glorifying. And we had to move in with family for six months at a time, and I had no job. Because of the way the people, the body of Christ, decided to act. So all of us have our stories in which we have been burnt by the church. And it is very easy to allow those hurts and pains to try to justify us removing ourselves from truly devoting and being all in to the body of Christ. But the problem is, God has not allowed us to live in that. God doesn't give us an out that says, if you've been hurt in the church, it's okay for you to do your own thing. He says, as disciples of Christ, I have made you. God has made you. Not you. You haven't chose to be part of God's body. He said, I have made you. God has made you members of one another. Whether you like it or not. It's Part of the deal. It's kind of like when I went to uh, work for my boss. I'm not allowed to sit here and go to my boss and go, well, I, I like these part of the responsibilities that you've given me but I don't like all of them. I don't want to do this on Fridays. I want to get off early on these days. I could do that, but he, could, he also has the right to say, well, that's not part of the deal. I hired you to do a job, so you do the whole job, or you don't do any of it. Take it or leave it, right? Well, welcome to what Christ has laid out in His Word. And basically, he says what? He says, is when you are renewed in Christ, when you become a disciple of Christ, When you have surrendered your life to Christ, you have been made part of one another. So there's two overarching principles as we dig into Romans chapter 12. I want you to remember. As disciples of Christ, we are part of His body and we are part of one another. We are members of one another. So let's dig into Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Pastor over in California, many of you heard of Chipping Room. He calls Romans chapter 12 the blueprint for what it means to be a disciple of Christ. This chapter is one that is incredibly intense um, for me personally as you dig into it more and more. So let's get into it. I'm going to read the majority of it. It'll be on the screen. If you have your Bibles, follow along because there's some incredible things that you may want to highlight or underline along the way. So starting uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace, of, but through the grace given to me, I say to everyone, "...among you, everyone, not some, not just the leaders or pastors, but everyone among you, to not think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted, or has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the uh, proportion of his faith, if service, then in his serving. And he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And this is where I want to get into Verse 9, he says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulations, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, and practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. What a beautiful passage on unity. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil with for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. And if possible, so as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Man, I'm telling you, we could get into this passage for weeks and not even scratch the surface on the depth of the unity that Paul speaks to in Romans chapter 12. Well, with those overarching uh, principles in mind of we are part of Christ's body, but we are also members of one another, I don't want to get into the details of one another. You can Google them online. There is many, many, many verses in the Bible that talk about and command the different aspects of what we're to do with one another. Whether it's respect one another, whether it's to love one another, whether it's to pray for one another, serve one another. Those are all the little uh, commands that we are to do in, in application. But I really want to give us a 30,000th of view and help our thinking about how we should be thinking about living in community, and living as the body of Christ. Does that make sense? So I'm not going to get into a lot of the do this, do this, do this. I want to really help on how, where's our devotion, our commitment? Are we all in to what God has called us to be as part of His body? Does that make sense? All right, so the first thing is this. Verse 3 says, Be of sound judgment of oneself. Be Have a sober judgment of oneself. And you know, I've used this verse in the past in teaching and also in my personal walk to, uh, to help people understand that you are in Christ. Don't think so lowly of yourself, right? Well, I want to take a different uh, approach today. Have a sober self-adjustment that you're not perfect. And some of us may have an idea of, oh, I know I'm not perfect. Yes, you do. But do you judge the other people in the same ruler in which you judge yourself? Too many times we judge other people's actions and we judge our own motives. Okay? So we have to take a step back in reference and thinking again to the body of Christ, to the church, specifically this morning to CLF. Are we looking around to other members of the church and measuring them and judging them based on a standard in which we ourselves are not living up to. So we've been hurt in church before. We've had other people talk behind our backs. We've had bad situations happen. And what do we do? We want to fight against it and we want to ju- jump and group the entire church together in one loop, in one lump sum of, well, these are a bunch of messed up people. They say one thing and do another. I don't know if you've ever thought that, but I've thought that about the church. When I'm packing up my house, having to move in with family, I'm not thinking, well, these are just godly people. But at the same time, how many times have we taken a step back a week later and gone, man, I knew I should have done this, but I ended up doing this instead and it hurt somebody else. We have to understand and remind ourselves that we are saved through the grace of God, not because we're all that Doritos, okay? So therefore, when we start looking at the church, the body of Christ, we need to remember that these are a bunch of broken, fallen people that are just surrendering their life to Christ and trying to live this life the best they can. And sometimes we need to extend the grace of God to others that He has extended to me and you. Does that make sense? So as the body of Christ, it's our job to also look at the body of Christ and give them grace Because we knew who we were before we came to Christ. And we know who we are after we came to Christ. And we still need that same grace. If you're anything like me. Okay? So let's be careful and have a sober self judgment and remind ourselves, hey, you know what? I'm just as screwed up as that person is. And I need to maybe give some grace because I remember when Pastor Mark gave that grace to me when I was acting. Okay? Second of all, we are members individually but part of each other. Verse Romans 12.5 uh, says, So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. I want you to understand, I love this study that Cindy's going through on Wednesday night because I, God doesn't want you to lose your identity and your individuality by becoming one with the body of Christ. Okay? God designed you to be you. Right? So therefore, when He calls you to be you at CLF, He doesn't want you to be Pastor Mark at CLF. He doesn't want you to be Pastor Chris or Pastor Brian or anybody else at CLF. He wants you to be you. Because He said, I have made you individually part of one body, of one member. So he wants you and He needs you to be you. We need you to be you at CLF. We don't need another Pastor Mark. We've got one, and that keeps our hands full. I can say that because he's not here. I'd, I'd say that to his face. But that's the honest truth. Like, we need you to be you. God needs you to be you. He designed you for a specific reason, but understand, He created you to be part of the body of Christ. Not only did He create you not to be somebody else, but He also created you to be one with the body of Christ. He didn't save you to be alone or out by yourself doing your own thing, coming here on Sundays and Wednesdays and then going out and doing your own thing again. That's not being part of a body. That's not functioning together in unity. He made you individual so you can be you in relationship and in one body in Christ. Does that make any sense? I hear people go, well, M, is it possible? And I had this conversation with a lady. Uh, at Home Depot the other day. Lady I see on a regular basis. And we had this conversation of, is, is it possible to be saved and go to heaven and not be part of a local church? And you have your own opinions about it. Because God looks at the heart. And we had an incredible conversation about it. But I want you to think, what kind of robbery is it for that person to think I'm better off on my own. First of all, it's kind of arrogant. Now, it's not kind of, it's very arrogant to think that I can do this on my own. Second of all, how much robbery is it to that community because they're not feeding into it and how much robbery is it to the, the name of Christ? Because he says in John, the unity of the body is how people will tell you are different from the world and that you are disciples of Christ. So therefore, we, it is necessary for us to live in unity and commitment and devotion to one another because that's how the world will see Jesus in you. It, the world tries to do everything on its own. That's what makes us different. 1 Corinthians 12, 11, and 14, it says, But one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing the Spirit of God, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. It's the Holy Spirit that individually... Verse 14, For the body is not one members, but many. One body, many members. Be you. Please. Be you. Romans twelve four and 6 says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each one of us is to exercise them accordingly. If you have your Bible open in verse 6, I want you to underline the word exercise. Man, how many times do we hate that word? What does that mean for you? It means God has given you a gift. Use it. If you come here on a Sunday or a Wednesday or a Thursday and you are not using, exercising the gifts in the body, then you are robbing the body of God. And whose body is it? Christ. You understand what I'm saying? God has given you gifts to help feed the body. Use them. Why? Because how the body comes together, I'm telling you, I just there is no better evangelism tool anywhere than when the body of Christ lives in unity with one another. You can go out and preach in the streets, and that's great, and that's outstanding. More power to you if that's what God's called you to be. But in His Word, He says, the world will see that you are disciples of Me when you live in unity and love for one another. And that love is not a feeling, it's a choice, and it's an action. So God has given you gifts, use them. There is a lot of needs in this church, some of which we don't even know about. But God has placed something in you and on your heart to do in this body that there's a need out there, to needs filled. Use the gifts God's given you to do it. Period. Okay, verse 9. Love must be authentic. Let love be without hypocrisy. Without hypocrisy. Don't say one thing and live another. It must be truly authentic. I love that we see the results of true, authentic relationships in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2.42 is one of the verses that our entire one another group uh, idea is surrounding around that talks about they were devoted to one another to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. Um, Wow, that's Prayer, fellowship, breaking of bread. Anyways, go read it for yourself. But then you jump down, and here's the difference. You jump down to verse 46. And it talks about how they were going house to house, breaking bread with sincerity of heart. And you know the results? What verse 47 says? And God was adding to their number daily. Well, they were just going around house to house. They were just living in sincerity of heart. How is God adding to their numbers by living life with one another? Because the world sees it. How different is how you and me are living in the world in community with one another? In other words, do the people you work with know how much and how devoted you are to your church? Do they hear about the relationships? Do they hear the sincerity of heart? Do they hear about the breaking of bread that you're why are you constantly with your church? Love must be authentic. We are one body, many members. We are called to have intimacy and unity and here's the deal, intimacy requires vulnerability. Intimacy requires Vulnerability. I love what Ken Pounders told me years and years ago. It was probably 20 years. What is intimacy? Into me see. Intimacy is into me see. He tells us, let love be without hypocrisy. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in honor. How many people inside the body of Christ are you opening yourself up to and say, into me see? Here's who I am. Here's where I lay it on the line. Why did, when Chrissy had a bad day, did she reach out to people and say, I'm having a struggle? Why did this 40 message long message over an 8 hour period happen? Because she has allowed other people to see into her life and go into me see. And she has begun living life authentically, real, vulnerably with other people, and when those bad days happen, it doesn't even last 24 hours. That's the power of unity in the body of Christ, but it only comes when we live authentically and vulnerably. Can you get hurt? Absolutely. Will you get hurt? Absolutely. What's it worth? Everything. It's who we are. We are one body in Christ. That's who we are. This is not an option. This is who we are. One of the goals of our one another is to create an environment in which people can live authentically with one another. It's not a promotion, but it's just the honest truth. Verse 10 says, Be devoted to one another in love. Be devoted. Be all in. Be devoted to one another. And I'm not not promoting gambling by any means. But anybody knows... uh, See, back in high school, man, that's when I used to love watching. Yes, I grew up in a pastor's home, but I still loved watching when the World Series of Poker started coming on ESPN. Moneymaker, I forget that even what his name was. Moneymaker, the year he won the... the ah, I forget his name. But I used to love watching it. I don't know why, I'm just that kind of a dweeb. But I used to love watching it because, man, there's the intensity when these guys are bidding... When they're able to see, when they start putting chips in, man, they use, their piles start growing and they start going, you know, well, they had 20,000 and 20,000 more and 200,000. and Maybe it's just because I always wanted that kind of money just to throw around, but. Or I just really like the green poker chips I had at the house and be like, yeah, yeah, give me 20 more. But, anyways, sorry, little kid coming out. But for those who may not, not know what poker is, And not know the term all-in basically is this. In poker, for instance, you have chips that you have gathered over a long period of time. Through different games, through playing, maybe you you put some of your own money in, you start building up your chips. And all of a sudden, you get dealt a hand. And you have such confidence that your hand is better than anybody else's. You're willing to say, I'm all-in. And that literally means everything in which I own, I'm putting into the middle of the table. What are you, and you're going to put it on the other person and go, hey, are you all in? Because this is how much, that's how confident I am in my hand. One of two things, either you're that confident or you're just trying to bluff the other person out of it. And if you're a risk taker, maybe that's how you play. I never was that good at taking risks. I, I had to be that confident to ever go all in to a debt, Right? So when you're referencing, that's what it is. You have to have such confidence in your hand that you are willing to put everything you have worked for on the line. Some of these people have thousands of dollars on the line, and they are so confident in their hands and the cards that they have that they're willing to risk it all, push it all in. And it's a risk, is it not? Because what happens if that hand isn't as good? You lose everything. 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 Going all in is leaving nothing in the tank. It's holding nothing back. You can't go all in and say, all right, I'm going all in, but I'm going to hold on to this one just in case I lose. It's not all in. Is it? All in means I'm not leaving anything in the tank. That's what devotion is. When I got married, when I stood before the entire church in St. Clair Shores, Michigan, I said I'm all in to this woman. Is it okay if I said I'm only all in Monday through Saturday, but Sundays I get to do what I want? And you don't have to ask questions. You don't get to ask questions. Would that be a marriage that anybody would take? Why? Do you really want that kind of marriage? You even want that kind of friendship. I'm going to be your best friend Monday through Friday. Weekends, eh. Maybe don't call me. I really don't want to see you on the weekends. I don't really care what you do. But Monday through Friday, man, we're best buds. But how many times do we offer that to God? Not not necessarily to Him. Maybe we're all in to God. Maybe we are all in. Man, I'm giving everything to God. I've surrendered everything. My life is His. The problem is, He didn't just call you to be in Christ. He called you to be part of His body. He has made you His body. One body with many members. Are we trying to hold back our devotion from God's body? And if you're part of CLF, and if God has called you here, my question is, are you all in? Maybe, maybe, you know, you have your hand. And I don't just mean finances. Some people, maybe it's finances. But I mean, what about your time? What about your decision making? Are you holding on saying, that's fine, I'll, I'll, I'll volunteer with the kids' church maybe once a year, and uh, I'll show up to men's breakfast maybe once in a while, but that's, that's about all I can do. I've got to save the rest. What's your devotion level? Because God has called us to be one body. And look, here's here's a caveat I'm going to tell you before I go any further. Don't you dare sacrifice your family and your marriage on the altar of church. That woman and those kids are more important to me than any of you. Period. Period. They will come first. However, what am I teaching Kate and Joshua when I'm with them six days a week and refuse to feed into the body in which God has made me a part of? We have a serious problem of becoming idealistic and we're creating idols of our family in the church today. Are we devoted? The words devoted and brotherly love had the same root word of phileo, which is a very much a family love. It identifies the, word, the body of Christ as a family. So are we devoted to our church family the same as we are other family? When people look at our conversations at work, in our families, at home, do they hear an uncommon devotion to our church? Do they hear things like, I have to go to church Wednesday night. I'm sorry, I can't do that. Or do they hear, man, I'm sorry, I can't go to that because I get to go to church on Sunday. When people look at your bank account register, do they see an uncommon devotion to CLF? And I encourage you, go back and listen to those two messages Pastor Mark did on giving because they are outstanding. We are not a 90-10 church. We don't want you to give 90% and live on 10 I mean. That's great if that's what God's called you to do, but we're not expecting that. That's between you and God. The amounts and all that, that's fine. That's that's between you and God. What's your devotion to Him? Is there a devotion? And I don't just mean giving 90% to the church. What about meals for those around you? When's the last time you invited somebody else out on Sunday morning and just paid for their lunch? It could be Subway. Hardy sends out two for six coupons all the time. What about buying a coffee on Sunday morning? You know how, many times, how, many, how many people listen to WDJC 89.9, Christian Radio? You always hear these stories on there about, you know, passing it, pass it along, right, or whatever they say. Buy, yeah, buy, the, buy the coffee for the next person waiting in line, right? How many people have done that at Cafe Cliff on Sunday mornings? I'm not trying to beat anybody up, but I want us to understand that we are called and created in Christ as one body through the church. And I want to challenge you of where we are at. And by the way, this is just straight from my devotion time, okay? I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I'm letting you in on what God has been showing me in my personal devotion time. I'm here every Wednesday. I'm here every Sunday. I'm at every one another group. And God's still going, are you all in? Really? And it can be little stuff. No. Too many times we're fearful of loss and of hurt to truly go all in. you have those. It's fine. I'm going to hold on to these four. Let me give you a case in point. This is from my personal devotion time, something God challenged me with. He said, hey, Brian, you've been here six years. Does anybody point to me and go, he's not really that devoted to the church? In my quiet time of reading this book and through Pastor Mark's message, one of the things God really laid on my heart, he said, hey, Brian, why are you still renting? Why haven't you bought a house yet? There's a lot of reasons why. Well, God, it's cheaper for us right now. It's easier, you know. I don't have to worry about the lawn care. Something breaks, I don't have to worry about it. How many times when God asks us questions, we try to throw things out to try to justify it, right? And when I got down to it, basically, he's like, because you always want an escape route. What if God calls me somewhere else? I have a pastor's heart. I love being a pastor. Well, don't you think, and this is God talking to me, He said, don't you think if I called you somewhere else, I could take care of selling the house? The honest truth is. He said, I just want to show you what true all-in looks like. It could be something like renting instead of buying, because you want to hold just in case and put that one in the back pocket. Another just in case. Again, personal, quiet time, and I'm sorry if I'm revealing too much, but God's laid on my heart of, you know, and there's a lot of needs in this church. There's a lot of single moms with don't have dads around with kids. Who's going to mentor those kids, man? Who's going to invest into those kids? Because mom, as good as she is, there's a special place for a spiritual father in those kids' life. Who's doing it? Who's being intentional with it? Well, God, if I, if I start doing that, what if, what if that takes over? And, I, and I don't, I'm not leading Wednesday nights anymore, and I, I'm not as much of a pastor. He said, oh, okay. So you're more worried about your uh, Your title. Welcome to my devotion. What are you willing to go in? What do you want to hold back? Are you too worried about holding on to those titles? Those family members? That you have wrapped your life around? Those kids? Because your identity is wrapped up in your kids? God, I'll give you my life. kids are too important. They need a mom. My kids may not like me if I make them go to church. Man, I've got too much going on. I can't uh, really... I'll just skip this week of one another. You think that's what God's calling us to. Or does God say, I want it all. What... Willing to do. We are part an incredible body here at CLF. And I'm tired of leaving anything in the tank. If God calls me somewhere else, I'll worry about that that day. That's not today. Today, He says, I'm going all in. Don't leave anything in the tank. Don't rob yourself. Don't rob your family. Don't rob the people in this room because God wants it all. Micah, you guys can come back. I told you I'm not going long. I want to leave you with this. John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Jesus was teaching. You know what He told His disciples? Verse 34, He says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. You love one another. You love one another, even as he doesn't just stop with love one another. He says, Even as I have loved you, you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love or if you have love for one another. Would you say that Jesus was all in for his disciples? Did he leave anything in the tank? Did he leave a back door out? Did he just go, just in case? Man, that man was all in. And he said, the world will see it through the love that we have. And not only did he call that, you love one another even as I have loved you. And I'm not saying you need to go out and be crucified on a cross but I'm saying I'm challenging to love, to sacrifice, to give, to serve, and live with the members of this body and love in such a way that it reflects Jesus Christ Himself. That the world will see Jesus in you. Our love in action, not in word, but in deed. Our love in action towards the body of Christ is the sign of a disciple of Jesus Christ. Our love in action towards the body of Christ is the sign. It is the billboard. It is the poster card. It is the business card. It is the thing that separates us. That uncommon devotion to one another is what separates us from the world. It's the glaring spotlight that God uses to show the world what's different about His church versus them. So, I got two challenges for you. Challenge number one I want you to examine your devotion in two areas. First of all, is time. Is my time a reflection of an all in devotion to the church, to the body? Of Christ, and I don't mean are you here six days a week? You're not. I really hope you're, because I want you to live life outside of this place with the body of Christ. Go out for coffee. Go out for dinner. Invite people over. What is the? It talks about hospitality, and I encourage you to go home tonight. Read. Get into Romans chapter twelve. Dig in because Romans chapter, or verses 11 through 21 are a line by line, line by line of this is what it looks like to live in devotion to one another. So go home, read that. Let this week be every single day. I dare you and I challenge you to let your time and your decision making be examined through Romans chapter 12, verse 11 through 21. Start at verse 9 through 21. There's so many needs in this church and God has put you here to fill them. And it may be a need that we don't even know about, that we don't even see. But i got a feeling God has begun to lay something on your heart. Are you trying to do it just a little bit? Or are you leaving some of those chips back and go, got to save that one just in case I fail? Are you more worried about failing? Are you more worried about fulfilling what God has called you to be? So in your time, look at your week. Look at the time you're spending. Does your time reflect an all-in devotion to the body of Christ? The second thing is your decision-making. And this is a long-term thing that I just want you to truly think about and examine. Is my decision-making process showing my devotion and priority to the church in my life? And I'm telling you, this as you've already heard, kick me in the teeth, is the job that I take, how is the first... When I think of my job, when I think about the location of my home, when I think about whether my kids are going to play sports, whether when I get paid, when I sit down with my budget, is some of the first thoughts that come through our mind how that decision is going to impact the body of Christ and your relationship to it. When you take a job, when you get a job offer, when you have a house opportunity, is it going to put a strain on that devotion to that body of Christ? Because you see the need and that all-in nature for where God's called you to be. Now granted, there are times, guess what? God calls you elsewhere. And that's why this devotion isn't necessarily just to CLF, but to God's people but if you are here, and if this is where God has placed you, how does the local body of believers impact the decisions that you make in your family, your finances, your job, your home, your time? How important is the location of the church in making those decisions? How important is the the community in which you're a part of. Maybe you need to make a move into a community where other people in the church are involved so that you can live life more easily with other people. I don't know. But what I know is it is your life centered around the local church in which God has brought you to be a part of. The church is never meant to just be a place you go to. It's a place we live. God didn't just say the body of Christ is like a thing. He said it is a living, breathing organism. It is a life in and of itself. Blood and life flow through every part of the body. That's one reason that he described us like a body. Because we need the life that we live, and we exchange that blood, that life-giving force and power and the Holy Spirit in the conversations that we have. Why do we tell you, come early, stay late on Sundays? Take part of one another. Serve. Why? Because we know we need that time of community and devotion to each other. Are you all in? I don't want to leave anything in the tank for two reasons. First of all, you deserve all in from me. From every person in Secondly, man, God has called me to be His body. So by going all in, what I'm doing is I'm saying, God, I leave nothing back from You. It's not just about the body of Christ. It's about Him. When you hold yourself back in your devotion and dedication to God's body, His church, you're holding yourself back from Him. I don't know anybody in this room that wants that, right? So I challenge you this week, examine those things in your life. This isn't a guilt trip. There's no sign-up sheets. There's not. This is what God has been beating me over the head with in a loving way. And I just challenge you, are you all in? Are you all in? Because I'm telling you, this church is going, God is doing things here He's doing things in the lives of the people here and He's getting ready to do things through the lives of the people here. Are you going to join us? Are you willing to go all in? Are you willing to be vulnerable? Are you willing to put it all on the line? Hold nothing back and say, God, I am all Yours. And what that looks like is being one here or wherever God calls you.